Open up your Bible to Exodus chapter 17. We're going to the Old Testament. The crazy thing about the Old Testament is there's more revelation in the Old Testament than there is in the New Testament. Did you know that? That's the crazy thing. People are like, I don't want to read the Old Testament. That's the law. That's the Old Covenant. What the heck happened to this water bottle anyway? My goodness. For real though. If you study the New Testament and you study the Gospels and you study the letters of Paul and the letters of John and the letters of James or the letter of James and the book of Hebrews and Peter, when you study that and you get the picture, you get the revelation of Jesus Christ, and then you go to the Old Testament and read, you will find more revelation in the Old Testament of who Christ is than there is in the New Testament. So open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 17. Because we're going to see some Jesus in Exodus chapter 17. I got to do with that guy. I got to do it. I feel led. I feel led, Andrew. I feel led, bro. You know what? I gotta, I gotta open up something new tonight. <laughs> you know, you gotta know something. As there are that guys, so there are that girls. So we're gonna we're gonna look at something real quick. This to encourage you, you know, just to bless you. This will this will bless you. But hey, let's do with that guy first, and don't get offended, please. Just be encouraged. Um, <laughs> this is from Andrew Meisner, that guy that finds a way to get into every picture. Andrew Andrew submitted that one. Hey, here's here's uh here's our. Here's our brother Pete Hanks. He said, the one-upper guy. The guy that always has a better story than the other guy. You know, like when you tell your story, and then they're like, oh, I got a way better one. I'm going to up your story. And, and Pete says it this way. He says, they always start out by saying, no, <laughs> my story's better. Don't be that guy. Look, this, let somebody else's story be the best story of the night. Cameron Ramirez. That guy that has too many holes in his jeans. <laughs> that guy. That guy. I got one more that guy, and then we'll do a couple of that girl. That guy. Oh, my gosh. That guy, while shopping, mistakes a girl's T-shirt for a guy's. I've been that guy before. I've been that guy. I've been that guy. I was with Cameron, too, for real. And we were talking about that, guys, and I grabbed a T-shirt thinking it was a guy's T-shirt. And I was actually going to the dressing room on the way there. You know, I just got to say this. Cameron's the one that sold me into it, though. He, he told me, he handed it to me. He said, try this one on. I was like, all right. I was looking at it. <laughs> I was like, I think it's the girl's shirt. <laughs> and he goes, no, nah, I couldn't be. So I threw it on my shoulder. I started walking to the deal. And you know those things with girls' shirts? Uh, girls, you know what I'm saying. Guys, you shouldn't be knowing this kind of stuff, but I'm married, so praise the Lord. 
And they have those things where they got those little rubber deals that hang onto hangers. And that's how I knew it was a girl's shirt. Okay, all right, who wants to hear of that girl? <laughs> no, I didn't hear one girl. Hey, if you got a that girl, submit it to me sometime. You can do it through text, email. <laughs> what the heck? I've never seen that guy. That guy that wears tube socks. That's from Justin Day. Okay. He just sent that to me. Don't, don't be sending me while I'm preaching. Okay, I got one that girl, and then we'll move on. That girl, and I find, I, I mean, the, the guys do this too, but I find it mainly in girls. That girl, and I'm not saying all girls do this. I'm just talking about that girl. Say that girl. That girl, <laughs> that while hanging out with people, is always texting. Look, if you're with me, just be with me. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Man. All right, you there? Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. <laughs> oh, man. Whoo, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Texting in church. Okay. Texting at a coffee appointment. Texting worship. Texting in this tanning bed. I mean, I mean, texting everywhere. Gabriel, I don't text. Probably because you don't got a cell phone. When you get a cell phone, you'll start texting. Okay, we don't got time. All right, uh, Exodus chapter 17. Now, context. Context is this. This is the uh, what's happening here in context. Say context. Context, historical context. So what happened just now is uh, the children of Israel... Uh, God's chosen people were stuck in slavery for 400 years under the Pharaoh of Egypt. Okay, and they weren't just in slavery; like, like they were working and working and working and working. They were enslaved to Pharaoh to build Pharaoh's kingdom. They couldn't do anything else other than that. So they just got delivered. God comes to Moses. Moses was in the wilderness herding sheep god comes to him in a burning bush says go to my children uh go to my children who are in egypt and i'm going to use you to deliver them long story short they get delivered they walk through a sea on dry ground because god split the sea they walk all the way across pharaoh's army runs behind them chasing them all of pharaoh's army gets buried say buried come on they died yeah they died that enemy was destroyed the enemy that chased after us to bind us back up in sin was destroyed. And so they get on the other side. They sing songs. They sing hymns to God. They praise and worship God. And then in, in chapter 16, if I'm not mistaken, God sends manna from heaven, feeds them because they didn't have food. And then chapter 17, they start getting thirsty. Say thirsty. So they're thirsty in the wilderness. In this part of the desert, there was very little water, if any. And so all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water. Say, no water. 
for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water, Moses, that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? The people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock will thirst? You're going to kill us, Moses. Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Lord, what should I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me or put me to death by stoning. The Lord said to Moses, go on before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. So Moses has this rod. He used it to strike the river. When he put his rod in the river, boom. The sea was open. The water was open. The people walked through dry ground. Get the picture? So he says, go across, go before the people, come to a rock. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So check this out. Big rock, Horeb. You can pronounce it Oreb. Big rock, Moses grabs this staff, takes his staff, hits the rock, and water pours out and gives water to all the children of Israel. Now, it might be one thing to go, okay, I can see that happen with a little bit of water coming out of a rock. But you got to understand there's one to two million people in the children of Israel that are gathered here, and every single one of them was, thir- was thirsty, and every single one of their thirsts were quenched. Okay? You, you, you study this, you, when, you, when scholars study this, they tried finding out if there's any scientific way this could happen. They said, mm there has to be a miracle here. I mean, I, they said there's some ways where pockets of water could be found in rocks. I don't know how that is. Don't ask me. But they said to, feed, to, to, to quench the thirst of two million people, mm has to be a miracle. They're in this place of the wilderness. They're between Egypt and Canaan. Canaan is what? The promised land, right? So between Egypt and Canaan, they're in this place. They're thirsty. God tells Moses to strike the rock. Rock gets struck. Water pours out. You with me? What does that represent for us? We, as God's people, were called out of Egypt and we're called to the promised land. The promised land represents eternity and eternal life with God in heaven. Egypt represents our old life. It represents bound to the things of this world, bound You with me? Bound to the devil and his plans and his schemes. Bound to him. The Bible says that we were actually sons of disobedience. Jesus says that our father was the devil before we were born again and saved. Before Christ, we were children of wrath, the Bible says. But then God in his mercy came. He sent his son Jesus, who Moses is a type of Jesus. He's a shadow of Jesus. Comes, grabs us, and brings us out of Egypt and leads us to the promised land. So just like the people of Israel being taken to the promised land, so we are God's people being led by Jesus to eternal life. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You with me? You following me? You see the picture? This isn't just a coincidence. Everything in here points to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the sum, the substance, and the fulfillment of every Old Testament prophecy, of every Old Testament type, of every Old Testament feast, of every Old Testament thing. It all points to Christ. So when you read your Old Testament, don't just read your Bible, but look for Jesus. 
because he's all over. 1 Corinthians 10.4, Bible says that Jesus is Christ. He is the rock that they drank from. You with me? Jesus hung up on a cross. Check this out. Jesus hung up on a cross. And God struck Jesus. And he died for our sins. But the crazy part was that next, the soldiers stabbed Jesus in the side. And the Bible says that blood and water poured out of the rock. Poured out of Christ. Jesus Christ is the rock. He's a rock that we can stand on when times are tough. He's a rock that we can lean on when trials or tribulations come toward us. He's a rock that we can hold on to. He is the rock. And from that rock comes living water to feed your thirsty soul. You know what's crazy? He struck the rock. Water came out. You read Numbers. Check this out. You read Numbers chapter 20. You don't have to go there right now. But you read Numbers chapter 20, and God says, hey, your people are thirsty. Speak to the rock, and I will bring forth water. You know what Moses does? The Bible says Moses strikes the rock twice, and God says, because you did that, you're not getting into the promised land. What, what does that mean? God only smite, smit his son one time. And he's not going to strike the rock ever again because the rock has already been struck. Jesus has already been hung on the cross once and for all for sins. And now all we got to do is look to Jesus. And as we pray our prayer and as we give him our offerings, he will give us water for eternal life. We don't need to strike a rock. God don't need to strike the rock anymore. The rock's been struck. All we got to do is pray and ask and he'll feed our thirsty souls. I'm telling you, this whole Bible is filled with types of Christ. Whoo! Struck the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. As our bodies thirst, so do our spirits. And the only one who can satisfy our thirsty souls is Jesus. Speak to that rock. Get up in the morning. And speak to that rock. Get up in the morning and call out to that thirsty rock. You know what the crazy thing is this. The Bible says your heart was like a stone. Okay, you follow me? Your Bible says your heart was like a stone, like a rock hard, right? Jesus says in John 4 and John 8, that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So now check this out. God strikes your heart and rivers flow out of your heart of living water. And after he struck you the first time, you were broken for him. You became a born-again believer. Life began to pour out of you. And from then on, God begins to sing songs over your heart. And as he sings songs and he declares words over your heart, as he does that, rivers flow out of your heart. But you got to make sure you go to that rock. And as you go to that rock, rivers will flow from him and rivers will flow from you. What do I mean by that? What I mean by rivers, I'm talking about life. I'm talking about the sustenance of life that satisfies our souls and satisfies the souls of those who are desperate. I haven't even started yet. Okay, you with me? Okay, so then go to verse 8. This is, the, this is the part I'm getting to right now. Verse 8, it says, Now Amalek, say Amalek, came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. So they're there. 
glory of God just was poured out. God just manifested himself. Water just started pouring out. People started drinking. And then Amalek comes. Say, uh oh. <clears throat> and this is no coincidence. This is no coincidence. Amalek comes and Moses said to Joshua, Moses was the leader. Joshua was with one of his guys, right, right, uh, his right hand man, kind of like his, his warrior that would defend. You got to remember, Moses is like uh, 80 years old at this point. Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Say, come on. We need some warriors. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand, Moses says. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and her, her went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses, so you with me? So there was a battle going on, right? There's this battle happening. Moses is on top of this hill. He's got this staff. And it says, when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But when Moses let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Okay? Moses' hands became heavy. Heavy. Wearisome. He got tired. He couldn't do it anymore. So they took a stone. Say, stone. Not a coincidence. And put it under him. Say, under him. Come on, not a coincidence. And he sat on it. Say, sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, and one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Come on, the sword of the Spirit will defeat the enemy. Okay, then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under Heaven. God don't like Amalekites. He just didn't like them. Amalekites, Amalekites. I don't really know how to pronounce it, but I think it's Amalekites. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is My Banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalekite, the Amalekites from generation to generation. Oh, man, this is good. Okay, go ahead and flip over to Romans <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, we'll pray, and we'll get started. God has given revelation. He's opened up our eyes. He's opened up our ears to hear him. It's one thing to hear about God. It's another thing to receive his word. God has wanted you to receive his word tonight. There is a word for each one of you here tonight that will bring you into another measure of freedom and liberty to be who you are called to be. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What he's saying is this. He gave his own son for us. He didn't spare him. He gave him for us. Why wouldn't he give us everything with his son? You with me? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who's going to condemn God's people? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's some good. We could just read that, meditate on that, worship a little bit and go home. We're doing good. But God's got more. He's going to take his word and he's going to make it alive to you tonight. And I encourage you to open up your hearts, open up your minds, no matter where you are, no matter how bad you sinned last night, no matter how bad you sinned this morning. I'm telling you, today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of deliverance for you and a day of healing for you. God wants to take you from where you are and establish you in his place, in his hand. If you're not already there and if you are there, he's going to remind you that you are in his hand and that you are his child, that you are his daughter, and that you're free from having to try to become something so that God would try to love you more. My message tonight is no more toil, no more toil. Let's pray, ask God to speak to us. Come on, I I need you to pray. I mean, I can't be the only one praying. I need you to pray and ask God, God, I'm asking right now that you by your spirit would speak to us. God, open up our hearts, open up our minds. God, I pray against the lies of the devil. God, I pray against his schemes and his plans. Lord, I ask that you would stand before him and you would rebuke him on our behalf. Father, I thank you that in Christ, that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places and every power and authority that is on earth is under our feet. So, Father, we stand on that tonight by faith that Christ is our portion. He is our position, that in him we have conquered. In him we are risen. In him we are victorious. In him, death, hell, and the grave have no hold on us so we declare every spirit of lies to bring shame and condemnation and fear and guilt upon your people i pray it be silenced now i pray you loose your people in the freedom that you have given us in christ jesus that we might worship you oh god with liberty that we might love one another with freedom god that we would build your church and build your kingdom with confidence and boldness lord god that your children would arise, that the innocence that you have given us would be restored, God, that the understanding of your love would be increased, and God, that you would move us forward. Do it, God. We need you to do it. I can't do it. No song will do it. No word will do it. Your word is the only word that brings forth life. So God, do it in me right now. Thank you for your anointing that's in this place. I thank you for your anointing, God, that abides on every heart here tonight. I expect great things because you already told me great things are going to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I don't got much time. Okay crazy i uh i i was uh i was uh, 16 like you one time and uh and i was 15 i was 14 i was 13 of course <laughs> and i saw a girl 
And I know I've been talking about this a lot lately, and I'm not trying to stir up dating. You know, there should be a rule. If you want to date, come talk to me. I'm for real. Like, some, of, some of you live a better life if you come to me first before you start trying to date. Okay. <laughs> some of you hate me more just because I said that, and that's fine. <clears throat> but I, I, was, I was that guy, too. You know, who, who when I saw Ashley, and I've been talking about Ashley a lot because I, I think it's a perfect example and, and metaphor of what our relationship with God is like in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, last week I talked about skiing and how I wanted to prove something to Ashley. And, <laughs> and I got up on top of that chairlift, and Ashley and I were talking about it more. And when I got on top of that chairlift, I was the whole time talking about how good I was. And she easily just creeps off that, that uh, chairlift and slides on down. And I couldn't get off that chairlift, and I kept going around. And there was a pole right there, and I finally slipped off, hit the pole, and I landed on my back. Totally got jacked up. I was talking to Ashley about it. She goes, you know, you hit the pole, too. I'm like, I know. I didn't want to tell everybody, though. <clears throat> but I, I just, as I've been thinking about my history uh, with Ashley and our history, I, I, it, it just continues to come back to me how much I just continually uh, uh, felt like I had to do something to get her to like me. You know, when you see that girl, when you see that guy, uh, every, every uh, piece of clothing you put on, every uh, uh, particle of hair product that you put in your hair, uh, every spray of cologne or perfume that you put on you is all just a means to an end. It's all uh, just a cover-up to get her or him to go, wow. Uh, you do everything you possibly can, uh, even at church, uh, 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 you stand in a particular place in worship because you can't stop thinking about I'm just preaching the truth tonight, and you can act like it ain't true, but I'm just telling you, I'm not saying it's necessarily right. God did make us emotional beings, and we do have emotions, and we see that girl, something just leaps, and we can't really help it. And so when I saw Ashley, I mean, every time I woke up, I was always trying to, to do something uh, that would that would might make her go okay <laughs> not that she talks like that but i always was trying to you, you know what i'm saying i ask the question almost every morning what must i do <laughs> i pray prayers lord let my hair shine <laughs> lord and the funny part I'd pray prayers like, Lord, let my fragrance captivate her. <laughs> uh, that is not true. But I thought it. <clears throat> I thought it. <laughs> I didn't pray it, but I didn't think it. And I remember I walked down the hallway, and so whenever she would walk by, I'd, I'd be like, try to get that fragrance to get off of me, you know. <laughs> what up, girl? You know. <laughs> and then if you were wearing, if you were wearing braces, you are, because you don't know when you see your braces, you know. And then when you get, when you get your braces off, you're like, hey, 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 you see? What's wrong with your teeth? What do you mean what's wrong with my teeth? You know, because it's like every part of the day, even, I mean, if you got an A in your homework, you just happen to be like, oh, you see my A? Decided <laughs> to show you my A. I mean, I wasn't even trying either, you know. What'd you get? A B? Well, you know, I mean, some people are smart, some people aren't. <laughs> but, but I'll be your back, girl. I mean, from ice skating to skiing to sports, athletics, snow machining, 
snowmobiling. I mean, I mean, I remember we went on our honeymoon, and it still was kind of going out. She has a way of holding her breath longer than me. I cannot hold my breath under the water but for like 12 seconds. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I get, I get under there, and I'm like, oh, gosh. I'm going to think about Jaws the whole time. <laughs> I'm in a pool like three feet deep, and I'm thinking about Jaws, you know. I grew up on a lake, and I'm just not the best swimmer still. But something crazy did happen after we got married. And this, this, this need uh, to, to try to get her to like me or to th- that question, what must I do, changed to um, what do I get to do? And, and this, this thought process of what things do I need to do or what must I do to get her to like me uh, changed into, um, man, we're already in love. Now I get to go on a date with her and I get to look good for her. Whether somebody thinks I'm good or not, she thinks I look good. Praise God. And something shifted in my heart where I never asked the question. I still don't ask the question, what must I do? What do I get to do? Now that I'm married, I have nothing to prove. Now I do want to catch her heart every day as a husband. That's my job, to want to grab her heart every day and and, and, and some way, somehow fall in love with her every day and her fall in love with me. But now it's not me trying to get her to like me anymore. Now it's, man, we're already infatuated with one another. And now it's just I get to fall in love with her again. I get to spend time with her in the morning. I get to, to eat breakfast with her. I get, to spend, I get to go on a drive with her. I get to hold my son with her. I get to pray and worship with You get what I'm saying? Something changed. And now when I get ready, we, it's funny, it's funny, I, I, whenever we go on dates with each other, it's funny because I'll be putting on our, my clothing and, and she'll be putting on our clothing or we'll be doing our hair or she'll be, we'll be doing our makeup. <laughs> Come on now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She'll be doing her makeup and I'll be brushing my teeth or something and, and I'll be sitting there thinking, this is so funny. Like we're going on a date with each other, but we're getting ready for each other. It's just really Really funny how that works. Um, but we don't feel like we have a need to prove anything to each other anymore. We can just be comfortable and confident. And, you know, I'm not jealous of any other guy. And she's not jealous of any other girl. We're just in love. And something needs to change in our relationship with God from a must-to to a get-to. From a perspective of, I have to get up in the morning, and I and I and I have I have to read my Bible because if I don't read my Bible, then I'm then then if then then God may not love me the way that that He He needs to love me, and and if, and if I don't if I don't get up really really early and sacrifice you know forty minutes of my time uh, to worship and to turn on some music, then I don't know if 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 God will even care about me because you know if I don't get up and do these things, then maybe at worship tonight I'm not going to be able to to, to have to have confidence. So now my confidence is relying on my works and on what I feel like I have to do and no longer on what I get to do. From a mindset of, oh, I got to get up in the morning to pray tomorrow morning from, to a mindset that says, I can't wait to get up in the morning to spend time with my father and worship my father and receive words from my father and em- receive the embrace of my f- you see what i'm saying I- i'm talking about going from a must to to a want to from from a have to to a get to amalek came and fought with israel and refidim 
water's good. Crazy stuff happening here. I mean, you got to picture this. Human beings just like you, just like me, just taken out of slavery. We've been in slavery for 400 years. And Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh's like, mm-mm. Okay, then ten plagues are coming your way. Finally, ten plagues. Moses lets, Pharaoh lets them go. They get out. They're in the wilderness. They get thirsty. Moses walks up to a rock. Poof. Strikes a rock and water pours forth and, and gives two million people water to drink. And it didn't just stop there. It kept flowing. Revival was breaking out. God's glory was being released on the earth. They hadn't seen anything for over 400 years. God decided to change something. He decided to do something. As right now, God is doing something in this generation. God is doing something in this city. God is doing something in this state. God is doing something in this nation. God, I'm telling you, God is doing something. He's saying, I'm pouring out my rivers, and I'm asking you to come to me and drink my water. I'm telling you that the, 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 the encounters that we're having are not fake. They are real. God is freely and genuinely pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. And only to those who by faith go to the river and receive the water will live a life different than everyone else. Will receive eternal life. But everyone else who sits back and goes, nah, it's just, they're just fake. That water ain't really going. You're going to be thirsty in the desert. And one day you will fall to your knees and say, okay, Lord, I give up. I can't ignore the glory of God that's coming on earth. This is a picture of what's happening even right now in Anchors. What's happening right now in our youth ministry, we are experiencing real revival. You know what I'm saying? Come on, there's more than that. Come on, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about where God is really authentically and genuinely and powerfully pouring out his spirit. And, and the crazy thing is we didn't even do anything about it. He just chose, all right, today I'm going to pour out my spirit. And I'm going to stir up some people to stir up some other people to tell them to go to the river. But that river's flowing. It's happening. And it's only going to increase. The river that's flowing from the rock is only going to increase. That life that's coming out of Jesus is only going to increase on this earth. I'm prophesying right now. And it's going to increase in measure upon measure, glory upon glory, where God's glory will descend upon this earth and stay here until Jesus comes back. It's happening right now. And he's calling you. There's no, there's no uh, uh, coincidence that you're here. There's a reason that you're here tonight. God is beckoning you, saying, come. Come and drink. But you know what's crazy? When the revival breaks out, Amalek comes in. When the revival breaks out, Amalek comes in. Gabriel, who's Amalek? i got to tell you something. This is crazy. I was studying this because the Lord told me to study this. I was supposed to preach this, this Thursday night. And I, I couldn't get over this portion of Scripture that says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And I started, I started looking at scholars and people who said this thing about Amalek. I'm like going, what the heck? Why did God hate Amalek so much? I mean, they fought other people, but they didn't just blot them out forever. Why did God hate Amalek? 
scholars, I read scholar after scholar said, I, we don't know why God hated Amalek no more. Why he hated him so much. <clears throat> I found out why. Amalek has a root word in Hebrew. Old Testament was written in Hebrew. A couple of the books were written in Aramaic. This book was written in Hebrew. The Hebrew root word of Amalek is the word toil. It's the word labor. It's the word labor with irksomeness. It's the word striving. I had this crazy thought. Saturday morning, I said, Lord, what do I do as a youth pastor when your glory starts pouring out? No, no, actually like this. God, what must I do when your glory starts pouring out? The Lord said, you're asking the wrong question, son. He said, just keep doing what you were doing when it started pouring out. Because it had nothing to do with you. But something happens in the church of God and God's people because Amalek comes to bind us in trying to toil and labor. And we begin to ask the question, what must I do? You, you following me? We begin to ask a question, what do I have to do? What books do I need to read? How much do I need to pray? How much should I have to fast? How much do I need to worship in the morning to make God do this? God's saying you're asking the wrong question. He hates Amalek. You know the crazy thing about Amalek? This is crazy. Amalek, the, the, the people, the Amalekites, were people that wandered between Egypt and Canaan. They just wandered. They just wandered. You know what their job was? To kill anybody who was trying to go to Canaan. They had no other desire other than to make sure that anybody who was wandering in that place, going to Canaan, would be blotted out. That's all they wanted to do. Toil, religiosity, striving, trying to be a better person, working harder and harder and harder, trying to earn God's love, trying to earn God's mercy, is trying to bind you so that you don't get into God's promised land. Are you with me? See, they were just taken out of Egypt. But there is an Egypt in the wilderness that's trying to bind them so they don't get into God's promised land. You know what the crazy part is? Rephidim was the last place, there's a lot of crazy parts, but Rephidim was the last place that they stopped before they got to Mount Sinai. Gabriel, what the heck's Mount Sinai? Mount Sinai was where God revealed his glory to Moses. Mount Sinai was where all the miracles happened and where God did crazy things. And the last place was Rephidim, and it's that place. That Amalek came to defeat them. It's right when you're on the outskirts of revival, when the enemy wants to come to you and grab your heart and say, hey, you're not praying enough. Hey, you're not worshiping enough. Hey, you're not reading enough books. Hey, you're not getting enough revelation. Hey, you don't preach like that person. Hey, you don't worship like that person. You can't play the piano like that person. You can't prophesy like that. The, the devil comes as an adversary. The devil comes to, con to, to condemn you. To bring guilt upon you. To bring shame. You know what, you know what Amalek, what Amalek represents? You're not good enough to so work really, 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 really hard. Work really, really, you know what's crazy? <laughs> Gabriel, it's a lot of crazy, I know, it's crazy. The Amalekites came from Esau. 
you to study that out. Esau God hated, but Jacob God loved. The Amalekites represent us trying to make something happen that God would move. It wants to bind you up. It wants to hold you down. Amalekites is this, this idea where you feel like you have to say, what must I do when the glory starts coming? Hey, there's a river flowing. What do I got to do? I'm glad the Bible tells us what to do. So Joshua said to Moses, that's why Moses said to Joshua, hey, go fight. So Moses was up on the hill and every time he had his hands lifted high, the Amalekites were defeated or being destroyed. Joshua was prevailing. You with me? But every time his hands came down, what happened? The Amaleks prevailed. Verse 12. Key verse. But Moses' hands became heavy. That's what happens, you know. When you're fighting against toil, when you're fighting against lies, when you're trying to do it, you just get kind of weary and tired and heavy. You don't feel like you can worship. You don't feel like you can pray. And you don't feel like you have confidence to lead. And you don't feel like you have confidence to, to worship and to go come before God and to offer him your heart and offer him your life. You just, you just feel like you're just, not, you're just not good enough. You just get heavy. You get weary. You get tired. And then you say, you know what? I'm done with church. I'm done with leading this small group. I'm done with trying to come every week. I'm tired of it. We get heavy. We get tired. We get worn out. You know, crazy. Moses, 80 years old, lifting his hands up. And he was really like, man, every time my hands, he's like, oh, dang. You know, oh, shoot. You know, he, every time he brought his hands down, he started realizing people were getting jacked up. He started realizing that, that the victory relied on me keeping my arms up. But he goes, I can't keep my arms up. God's standard's too big for you. You can't make it happen. You cannot do it. I love it because it says he became heavy, so they took a stone. But you gotta go, you gotta think here. Moses' hands became heavy. So you gotta you gotta you gotta, you gotta put yourself in the picture. Moses there, he's got his hands up, they're fighting. Every time his hands came down, they would be they would lose. And so so what happened was Moses said something to Aaron and her. Aaron and her. Aaron was his uh, uh was his bro- he had two brother in laws. And 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 he pretty much just goes, guys, I can't do this. He confessed. He confessed one to another. He goes, I can't do this. I'm tired. I'm weary. He didn't be like, oh no, I'm good, bro. I'm good. Oh gosh. And every time he gets home, he's he's upset and he's weary and he's frustrated and he's hurting and he's broken and he's bound. You see what I'm saying? He just says, you know what? I can't do it. And this is really important because you will not be loosed. From the bondage that you are in, if you do not confess that you cannot overcome it. And it's not just confessing to God, it's confessing one to another. It's going to your brother. It's going to your sister and saying, hey, I'm living in sin. Hey, my sinful desires are taking me over and all my rules aren't working. Hey, I'm really tired. 
because I feel like i got to prove something to my parents so they think I'm a good person. You know what it looks like when you're bound? Listen, this is really important. You know what it looks like when you're bound by Amalek? You're really uncomfortable. Everywhere you go, you're just uncomfortable. You feel like you got to be somebody. You feel like you got to put something on. You feel like you got to, because you're weary, so you feel like you got you to cloak yourself to look happy, to be happy. You know, sometimes you won't even go to church because you feel that way. God's saying, I want to restore your innocence. I want to restore your confidence. I want you to be bold as a lion. I'm going to, 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 I'm going to show you something real quick. And we're going to land this plane and we're going to get freedom. But check this out. Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him. Took a stone. Say, take a stone. This isn't just a coincidence, is it? Stone is Christ. Whenever the Bible speaks of a stone, it's Christ. David walked down to the river and he picked up five smooth stones. He grabbed one of the stones and he slung it at that giant, killed that giant in the head. Gabriel, how do I kill giants? Christ kills giants. You just got to pick up Christ and throw it at that giant. Jacob is walking through the wilderness. There's a stone. The Bible says he gets tired, so he grabs a stone. He puts it under his head. He falls asleep, and he gets a vision of angels ascending and descending from heaven. And he goes, man, the Lord was in this place, but I knew it not. Why? Because he put his mind on the stone. Bible says that his hands got heavy. So Aaron and Moses go, or Aaron and her go, dang, we can get a stone. The Bible says they put a stone under him. How many know you've been put on top? You've been set on top of the rock. You've been put up in a high mountain. The Bible says you've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Ephesians 1 says above all rule, all power. You have been seated above. Put it under him. He's getting tired. Put it under him. Bible says, and he sat on it. He wasn't, he wasn't discouraged. He wasn't ashamed of his weariness. He confessed his weariness. He got on top of that rock and he sat down and strength came. You know what strength, you know what the rock represents? It represents your position in Christ. If you stand on the rock, Christ is your position. Christ is your identity. You gotta hear me now. This is it right here. Gabriel, I'm toiling. I'm striving. I feel weary. I can't do it. I'm telling you to get up on that rock and sit down because on that rock is where you find your sonship. On that rock is where you find that you're a daughter of God. On that rock is where you discover that you are adopted. You once were an orphan, but you're brought into the bosom of the Father. On that rock is where you find that you're freely justified in Christ. And God loves you as much as he loves your own son. On that rock you realize that the righteousness of God is in Christ Jesus because you're inside that rock. So if you're in that rock, then you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then you're righteous. If you're on that rock, then you're in Christ. And you're in Christ, then you're a son of God. If you're on that rock... Come on, you, you with me? And, and if you're on that rock, and Christ is that rock, and Christ is the child of God, then you're a child of God. See, on that rock is where you find identity. 
Amalekites, what the heck are you doing here? I'm a child of God. But I got to go. I got to go. Because there's more. It says, Aaron and her supported his hands. One on one side, the other on the other side. When you're on the rock, Aaron and her, lift up your arms. Lifting up your arms is victory. When you're on the rock, Aaron and her, Gary, I don't know what Aaron and her is. I'm going to tell you. Aaron and her, hold your hands up. Check this out. Aaron, his name really and literally means in Hebrew, mountain. But her means whole. You didn't get it. Okay. Because I didn't get it the first time either. <clears throat> Aaron means mountain. Her means hole. And not just any hole, but the hole of a viper. The hole of a snake. When you're on that rock, you get a revelation that neither depth, nor height, nor angel, nor demon, nor principality, I'm telling you, nor, nor power, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Man, when you're on that rock and you get a revelation of that, your hands naturally lift up and you find victory over that devil. There's no coincidence that Aaron's name means mountain and hers name means whole. Because from the depths of hell, you're victorious. And to the strongest powers on earth, you're still victorious. Because if you're in Christ, you're seated <laughs> in heavenly places. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says, and they defeated. They defeated the Amalekites. Worship team, please come out. Come on, you need a revelation of how God sees you. You need a revelation of how God feels about you. You need to realize that, that you, don't, you don't work really hard to be a son. You don't love God to try to be a son of God. You love God because you are a son of God. You don't read your Bible so that God would bless you. You read your Bible so you get more understanding of how much God has blessed you. Come on, you don't worship so that God would love you more. You worship because God loves you so much he couldn't love you anymore. I'm talking about you understanding your position. Because when you understand your position, ain't no devil, ain't hell, grave, sin, nothing's going to hold me back from running to my father and embracing the revival that he is bringing. Oh, what do I do, God? What do I do when the revival comes? Don't do anything different. Just keep your faith in me. Galatians, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Ooh, God's going to rock some of you tonight. If you got to go home early, you can, but I'm staying. <laughs> Galatians chapter 3, it says, <clears throat> come on, 3. Have you suffered so many things? Oh, here it is. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works? Does he do it by you striving and working or by the hearing of faith? He's saying, you began in the Spirit by faith. And I'm going to keep pouring out if you just, by faith, I'm loved. Come on, you with me? By faith, I sit down on that rock. Oh, dang. I almost sat on more than a rock. That would have been awkward. By faith, I sit down. I love it they didn't say, he picked a rock up, we tried holding it up. No, the Bible says that God was... God became the lamb, and he was smitten, and he bled for you, and he 
died for you. And he was buried for you. Jesus died. And Christ went to the depths of hell and preached the gospel and released people and came back to Jesus. Jesus came alive. The person Jesus. Christ never died. Jesus died. Hold on to the topic. Then he gets ascended to heaven. The Bible says he was seated down in heavenly places next to the right hand of the Father. The Bible says, and you are seated with him. I'm telling you. You got to get a revelation that just as God sees Jesus, he sees you. And you won't have victory over that toiling heart unless you come to a place where you say, I can't do anything. But just say, Lord, thank you for your son. Can I sit down here? It looks comfortable. Can I sit down here? It looks like I can find confidence. Can I sit down here? It looks like I find innocence. Lord, Lord, can I sit down here? Lord says, it's, it's your seat. I put it under you. Take a seat and discover that no matter how strong the powers of hell and the viper and the pit or how strong the strongest powers and the highest of the heavens. Nothing can separate you from how I feel about you. So just rest in that. And as you rest in that, I'll bring you to Mount Sinai. And my glory will descend upon you. But if you don't, you will be bound up by those Am Amalekites. You'll be discouraged, weary, and tired. So come, sit on that rock. And find your position. Find your identity. Find healing. Find deliverance. Find freedom. You know, on that rock is freedom.